Welcome to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. And I'm Jordan Duncan. And our desire with this podcast is to show you how easy and enjoyable it is to come to Scripture and walk away having heard the words of God and being changed by them. Amen. Hey, everybody. We're back with the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. Oh, and I'm Jordan Duncan. And uh, we are now in chapter 13 of the book of Mark. We are getting very close to the end. We only have a few podcasts left before we get through this gospel. I'm really excited about that. We hit this chapter, though, with not a ton of excitement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not because anything in the scriptures are bad, but because it's a tough section. Um, to be able to pull things out and discuss how do we apply that, what are we supposed to receive from the Lord in this. Uh, This is one of the tougher sections in Scripture, I think, um, because of what's happening. So we've got right away in verse 1, we see that Jesus has just been, at the end of chapter 12, he's just been sitting with his disciples. They've been watching... um, people give and this is the moment where he's talked about you know this uh, poor widow is given more than anyone else um, into the offering box so they walk out of the temple at this point and his disciples uh, are looking up at the temple and say to him teacher isn't this a beautiful building Uh, look at the stones how wonderful and Jesus all uh, kind of killed joy in this moment (laughs) he's just uh, they're marveling at the temple and he goes Uh, you see great buildings, well, there will not be one stone left upon another. Uh, It'll all be thrown down. Uh, Very ominous. Um, But he doesn't stop there. And they walk down the steps, and (laughs) there's sneezing happening in the room very quietly. That was amazing. Bless me. (laughs) It's very bad for your body to hold it in like that, Jordan. Um, (laughs) um, So then they walk across, um, well, not across the road. It's currently a road in Jerusalem, uh, over to the Mount of Olives. And they walk up the Mount of Olives, and they're looking across at the temple. And the disciples privately, uh, specifically John and Andrew, uh, Peter and James, uh, ask him, you got to fill us in here, Lord. When are these things going to happen? What's coming? And he goes into a story of um, the end, essentially. And this is where it gets difficult, I think, in my reading, knowing some of what happens not long after Jesus' death and resurrection with the destruction of the temple and persecution of Israel, um, of the Jews. This is... A tough one to pull apart. What is he specifically telling to them? Hey, you're about to go through this. And what is he saying? This is the end of all things. Because he seems to be doing both through the rest of this chapter. Um, So he goes into the story. He talks about many coming in his name. uh, Many being led astray. He talks about wars and rumors of wars. Uh, He talks about... Um, nation versus nation, kingdom versus kingdom, earthquakes, famines. uh, And he says that all of this is uh, actually just the birthing pains of the end, which is a pretty big statement. 
What do you got for us on that, Jordan? Okay, so what you're saying is very important to uh, have as our cornerstone when we go through this passage. Yeah. Because starting to go through it, I was like, ah, this is so confusing. I don't understand. Like, really, it, it, what do you make of this when you read it? And wh- what are you supposed to do with it? How are you supposed to react? What is Jesus saying exactly? Um, <clears throat> okay, so, yeah, w- what you have to recognize, first of all, is what's interesting. This is, I think, the longest section of Jesus speaking in Mark. Yeah, I think you're right. And certainly the longest section since chapter 4 when he was talking in parables, which were confusing enough as it is. (laughs) Here's what's, I think, tricky about this, is that it seems like he's being straightforward, but he's not. Yeah. Um, What he's doing is he's speaking in apocalyptic language. Yes. Which was more familiar to the people listening to him then, his disciples, yeah. because it was, a, it was a genre of writing, uh, of, uh, specifically of religious writing, that they would have had some familiarity with. I, we don't have any. Yeah. Other than this chapter, I think Matthew 25, um, a few verses throughout Paul, and then the book of Revelation, yeah. and Daniel. Yes. Okay, so not that we don't have any. But the problem is we have those and we don't know how to read those because we don't recognize them as uh, the apocalyptic genre. Yeah, and everything else that is written outside of Christianity or outside of scripture is considered science fiction in the sense that it's a we have a different type of writing style and writing and the way we come to writing. So we think of it as it's not prophetic. It's not people telling a okay, story yeah. of what's to come, right? Bec- especially because it's not in scripture. Exactly. We don't we don't include it in scripture, so no. we, we don't bother reading it, and then we don't understand the apocalyptic stuff in scripture. Here's how I know it's apocalyptic. Uh, at least to at least Jesus is is uh, making use of that genre here. I think a lot. Um, Here's here's some of the things that would identify or or be characteristic of apocalyptic genre yep. is that there is a prophetic nature to it, both in the sense that it is wanting to say something about the future, yeah, but wanting to give both warning and encouragement about the future right. to come, right? And usually a future that's imminent, like right at the doorstep, yeah. Um, which actually I think he says that this is at the doorstep. Somewhere. I can't find it. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, verse 34. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So this is something to come soon. There is also in apocalyptic literature, it's riddled with Old Testament allusions. Usually that's actually, I think, the, the strongest defining piece of, an, of apocalyptic literature is that it takes stuff from the Old Testament, right. images, symbolisms, metaphors, and quotes of scripture, references to things in the prophets, and then mixes it up in a blender (laughs) and makes it its own thing. Uh, Jesus is doing that here a lot. There's a lot of warning. There's a lot of encouragement as well, specifically encouragement to persevere, talking about trials and hard times to come, putting the talking to people. Apocalyptic literature was always written to people who were going through oppression or 
or yeah. the nature of it being telling the future was saying, hey, there's oppression coming. Coming, yeah. Here's, here's something that's going to encourage you to hold fast through that. Yeah. So this is so that's how we recognize that this is um, is apocalyptic is because Jesus all those things are in this chapter. The other thing to note about the apocalyptic genre is that in telling the future of what's to come, like I said, a lot of it was imminent. Otherwise, yeah. why would you tell? Yeah. <laughs> why would you tell this to anyone? A group of people could, that won't experience it. Yeah, you could just yeah. say, hey, you should write this down. Don't you guys worry about it. Yeah, exactly. He says the opposite. Yeah. He says, this is going to come before this generation has passed away. Yeah, it's very specific. You will experience this. Yeah. And yet, he also says things that uh, suggest, and I think pretty strongly, that not everything in here is going to happen. Yeah before they pass, this generation passes away. And something about not only apocalyptic prophecy, but prophecy in general was they seemed to be able to see the future um, to some degree. That wasn't the special part of it right. about prophecy. The point of prophecy is that you, you're actually telling someone to do something, either through warning or encouragement. Yeah. Um, and sometimes knowing a bit of the future to come is helpful in encouraging someone to do something now. But the future part of it, in prophecy, often what happens is the prophet will be able to see things both in the imminent future and in the distant future, yeah. but they write about them mixed together. Like they're at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. so they didn't know what was now and what was what was soon and what was later yeah. to come. Um, and they weren't concerned, maybe not that they didn't know, but they weren't concerned with distinguishing the two. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because, my rant is almost done, I think <laughs> it's because the point is the same in both cases. Yes, That these things, trials, um, terrible times where you're going to be oppressed, all those things, are those things are going to happen soon. They're also going to happen in the end. Yeah. And the message to people living right away when this happens is the same to the people living in the end. And not only it's not just going to happen like in a few years from now, Jesus isn't just saying, okay, heads up, this is coming in a few years. And then when I come back again in the end, this is going to happen, but this is going to happen again and again and again all throughout until then. And so the message stays the same for everyone. So with that beginning, <laughs> um, I, I, for me, that helps a bit. Yeah. Put this in perspective. Yeah. Relaxes me that I don't have to figure it all out. I can put my my timeline charts away. <laughs> <laughs> and don't I, put the timeline <laughs> charts away, Jordan. <laughs> because the message he keeps saying, like the things he, he's saying, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. But he gives the disciples imperatives in there. Like he tells them directly to do things. Yeah. Things like, yes, watch out, keep watch, be on guard. He keeps saying that. But he also says, don't be alarmed. Yeah. And that, that stood out to me so significantly here. He's consistently coming back to this. Don't believe a different gospel. Don't be scared. Don't be tricked. It, it's this sort of thing. It's kind of, it's like Paul saying, if anyone comes, even a, you know, an agent of the light and tells you a different gospel, don't believe it. Which I think is just 
it's massive for this context because I think theologically, um, spiritually, in our day and age, we like apocalyptic stories. I do, we don't necessarily want them in real life. Yeah, that's why that's what I was talking about with the science fiction is yeah. when we think end of the world, we like zombie stories and we like you know this and that. What what could the world look like when the apocalypse happens and um, you know, we were consistently taking in this sort of um, drama. But Jesus paints a picture that is dramatic, and he paints a picture that is difficult, and especially at the beginning, um, from 3 up until verse 13, I think that section there, he is very consistently talking about what they're about to go through. This is a section that he's saying, hey, this you're about to have this. You're going to be brought in front of people and you're going to be charged and you're going to see you know, family members turn on you and you're going to have this and you're going to have that. Um, he's setting a stage which essentially in my head as I'm reading through it, it seems like all persecution, um, all things that come against you that feel like the end and feel like my whole world is being destroyed, don't let it take you. God will come for his elect. God is taking care. God is in control. So much so that no one else even knows when these things are going to happen. Yeah. Like, that is definitely... Like, that's... uh, Yeah, I think you're right. That's the message of this chapter. And I think that's the message of the whole book of Revelation, too, is summed up, is all these crazy things are going to happen yeah. and told in like metaphoric, uh, symbolic language yeah. mixed with literal yeah. language. Yeah. And so it's hard to separate when is he being metaphorical and, yeah. or hyperbolic, yeah. you know, when is he exaggerating? Um, you know, for example, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Um, the stars will fall from the sky. Yeah. The, okay. Well that, like that's hyperbole yeah. saying, Earth-shattering events, like we yeah. we say that earth-shattering. The yeah. earth didn't actually shatter. Yeah, <laughs> maybe if it was an earthquake. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah, like he's he's saying all these things, but the point is, um, God's in control. Yes, because he in verse twenty he says after all these things that are going to happen, um, he says if the Lord had yeah. not cut short those days, no one would survive. Meaning. Yeah. The Lord's going to cut short those days. They're not yeah. going to go on forever. Yeah. He calls them short. Yeah. <laughs> and it, for the sake of the elect. Yeah. So he's, all these terrible things are happening, but he has a chosen people. Yeah. And he will work in their favor. He will act in their favor. He's still in control. Even yeah. all this chaos is happening. Yeah. Can I just say that you just brought up a, a section that was really interesting to me and I, I think partially just because if you read history at all, but also today, um, and you look around the world, uh, it's quite interesting to realize that he's setting the stage saying, all this bad stuff could be happening to you. God is going to cut short those days. So when someone shows up and says, hey, I'm your savior, don't believe them. I think through history and I go, oh man, how many people have come and said, I will rescue you from your devastation. And sometimes they're fake devastations, right? They're not even real. I think about maybe 
political things that are happening today in countries near us. Mm -hmm. And some see and go, this person is our savior. They're going to make us great again, right? Ah. And maybe that's a little too straight. But I just think it's not necessarily about the person, though. That's not my comment. My comment is... He says, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, it's, he's even saying, even if someone doesn't come up to you and say, I am your Christ, if your friend, if someone near you says, look, that's our savior, mm-hmm. that's the person that will rescue us, mm-hmm. that's the person that will bring us into all that we're supposed to be, don't believe that. Because when real devastation comes, God has cut short those days so that his elect would be saved, so that everyone's going to be okay. And it doesn't mean there isn't devastation. There is devastation. Yeah. But God is taking care of it and he's yeah. in charge of it. Yeah. And he says the thing that just keeps getting repeated throughout is both that God is in control. And then like verse 26, at that time, people will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Um, I mean, you can take that a lot of places, but mm-hmm. the son of man is still in control, has still, still has great power yeah. and glory. Um, and he will gather his elect. Yeah. Uh, so what do we do? Do we go, oh, God's in control. I'll just sit back and go with the flow. Right. No, it says, um, verse 9, be on your guard. Yeah. Uh, verse 13, stand firm. Verse 23, be on your guard. Uh, verse 33, be on guard, be alert. 35, keep watch. So there's something very active for you to do. Yeah. Like, don't just sit back and go, well, God's in control. I don't know yeah. what else there is to do. There's, yeah. there's something to do. And he explains some of what that looks like. Um, in verse 10, the gospel must be preached. Yeah. Uh, and says, don't worry about what you're going to say in preaching the gospel. Just say whatever yeah. is given to you in the time. Cause the Holy spirit is, is it's not you speaking. It's the Holy spirit. Hmm. Um, and then, I guess there's also some vigilance in paying attention to the times. Right. So in keeping watch, he explains just like you do when you watch the fig tree and you try and figure out when's harvest or when's the right time to get figs. Yeah. He says, well, when you see these things that I'm talking about happen, know that, um, that it's near like the, this, the time of God's rescue is near Yeah. and that God will cut things short. So, um, pay attention, be alert, keep watch, have faith in God, and don't be alarmed. Because yeah. I think I, I hear him say, be on guard uh, half a dozen times throughout this chapter, yeah. and I go, I start getting a picture of someone who's very concerned about things. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, you, you say, be on guard a lot, and like especially when you got apocalyptic language in your mind. <laughs> For me, I start thinking about like a zombie apocalypse movie, and the guy who's <laughs> boarded up his house yeah. has a shotgun in his hand the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. He's on guard. Yeah. But he's... But Jesus also says, don't be alarmed. Yeah. So be on guard, but don't be alarmed. Yeah. So there's a... Be on guard in the sense that do what you can do, but you got to trust predominantly. Yeah. Like so much so that you don't even have to figure out exactly what you would say when this comes. So I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. Don't spend all your time trying to figure that out. Yeah. Let the Holy Spirit lead you when you get there. So it's this consistent message of, so the Son of Man is coming to rescue. 
God has numbered the days. The Holy Spirit is going to give you what you need. Like the whole Godhead is present in taking care of the people of God, even in the midst of what looks like the end of all things. Yeah. Right. And so I think the, I, it's such a beautiful picture when you can stand back a bit and see the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And that he gives us something to do. So we're not just sitting, twiddling our thumbs because that's when worry comes, right? That's when Mm. if, but if we're active, you don't have the time to be nervous thinking about, okay, when is this coming? Am I missing it? What's going on? Have I believed wrong? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Instead, it's a, let's come back to Jesus' words. Let's be at peace in what he said. Let's, right? And so for me, isn't this a beautiful picture of why being in the scriptures is so important? Yeah. Because like, I think, I don't know why this is keep playing in my head. I've used it a couple of times, but I think if we use the worldly picture of apocalyptic language and storytelling and we bring it into the scriptures, Mm. we're in trouble. Yeah. And that means we've put someone's word ahead of, we're interpreting now what Jesus is saying through science fiction, through our culture, through whatever it might be, right? Instead, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be pretty clear to you here. There's some bad things coming, and they're going to feel like this. And some of them will be like this. It's going to be okay because God's got you covered. He's taking care of it. He's not going to let it go on for too long. He's not going to make everything be the end because he's actually the one that knows when the end is coming. Yeah. And it's just this consistent, like, have peace in the Lord, have peace in the Lord, have peace in the Lord, be active in these ways, have peace in the Lord. All of this stuff's going to go bad. It's going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Have peace in the Lord, be active in the Lord. Right. And just, I don't know, for me, that's so helpful. It is very helpful. I think um, I'm just trying to compare it to what came before and just noticing like if, if there's any ties to what, you know, why here did he start? Yeah. Uh, at least why here did Mark put this? And there's, there's the warning just before this at the end of chapter 12 where he says, watch out for the teachers of the law. Right. And I haven't seen him use watch out. I don't know. I'm trying to scan here the couple chapters before. I just don't see him being that direct and saying, watch out for something. Yeah. And then, so he says, watch out for the teachers of the law. There's the widow's offering thing. And then there's this whole thing about the end. And he keeps telling them, watch, watch, watch. So even some of what you're watching for is the picture of that is not a old man boarded up in his house with a shotgun, that kind of watching, but like watch out for the teachers of the law who like to walk around in flowing robes and be important. Yeah. And, you know, even look at this, uh, be on, be on guard to watch for the widows who, who need help. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees, teachers of the law aren't watching for them. Um, because it's a call to watch for uh, the kingdom at work in the world mm-hmm. as well. And when the, is the kingdom coming? Right. 
is all this destruction backlash against the kingdom trying to come. Yeah. Um, so all these things are happening and you must be on guard because you're a part of the kingdom coming, like the kingdom of God. Yeah. But then all this stuff is going to happen to you because of that. Like you'll be handed over to councils and flogged in the synagogues where the kingdom was supposed to come right into the synagogues. And you'll have to stand in front of the governors of the earthly kingdoms. Yeah. And you, um, everyone's going to hate you because of me. So some, so what's happening, some of it is tied to this is happening because the kingdom has come. And I think sometimes depending, um, Sometimes that direct connection is easy to make. Like if yeah. they're out preaching the gospel and get arrested because of that, or if people are hating them because of Jesus, yeah. they have to stand firm. But it gets less clear if there's earthquakes in various places and famines. Like yeah. that's because of the kingdom of God coming? Yeah, yeah. Like all of creation is going to backlash. There's going to be birthing mm-hmm. pains, mm-hmm. right? So the kingdom, and it's interesting that he calls them that, the beginning of birth pains. Because it's like the kingdom coming actually has all of creation responding to it, having to birth it. Yeah. That he actually does it in all of these ways. So even creation itself, not just humanity, but all created things have a response. And there's going to be a lot of backlash, a lot of yeah. what feels like destruction, which is really interesting. I, I'm always fascinated with Jesus' use of Um, things that have been destructed or like um, deconstructed or have been broken down consistently to show and to give life, right? So even this, it's like unto the, well, he doesn't even really say, but like unto what's coming after, like they know there's a good thing coming after this, right? So unto the thing that's coming after is going to be all of this death and destruction and all of this. He not just in his own life in death and resurrection, but in the way he describes things and the way he talks about things, there's this consistent message of there's going to be destruction and out of it will come great life. Yeah, he says, following verse uh, 24, he's talking about those days. He's just described the um, uh, the whole destruction. He says, following that distress. Yeah. Um at that time people will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So the great power and glory uh, of Jesus comes following the distress. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. I, okay. So tell me, I I think, um, maybe it's just important to, to point out, like you were saying way at the beginning is there was events that happened in um, 70 AD where Jerusalem was sacked and destroyed and the temple was destroyed. And, yeah. and like really terrible. I've read a little bit of the accounts of what happened and like horrible, horrible things happened, um, particularly to the Jews there yeah. at that time. Yeah. And um, like a lot of what's being said here would have been true of what happened in 70 AD. Yeah. And this generation would have still been around yeah. in 70 AD. Yeah. And I think perhaps most of this is Jesus, like that's the event coming immediately that Jesus is referring to. Yeah. Um, 
and yet again, it's there's even um, there's stuff that's happened since then that would fit into these categories or be similar to this. And totally. Jesus's message to people in those times would be the same. Yeah. And again, and I think maybe more towards the end of the chapter, he gets more specific. I would guess about the the very end. Mm-hmm. So he, because he says he he talks about all these things that are going to happen, and after the destruction, the glory of Jesus and the great he you'll see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Mm-hmm. Um, but verse thirty two, but about that day, so it's almost like he's changed, even with that little introduction. Yeah, he goes. Um, okay, so I just told you about the day coming yeah. soon. Yeah. But about that day, like the one in the future? Yeah. Do you think that's, he's getting I, a bit more specific there? Yeah. I mean, I think he's, that last section, 32 through 37, mm-hmm. I think he's talking about the coming of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about the Son of Man coming at the end of the destruction yeah. that the people of God have felt. Yeah. Right? And so concerning that day or that hour is what, it seems like he's specifically talking about because at the end he says, therefore stay awake for you do not know when the master of the house will come. Mm-hmm. So it's specifically about the master coming, not about the difficult trials that are coming. Hmm. So he's not saying, Hey, there's going to be a bunch of difficult trials. Stay awake and pay attention to see when those things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Instead, he's saying, I'll just stay awake and be probably, at least in my understanding, all those things you pulled out through the rest, the things that we're supposed to do, that's what staying awake will look like. Yeah. Do those things so that when the master comes, uh, he doesn't find you asleep. And so the message for the whole thing is don't be asleep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Watch, yeah. be awake, be alert, yeah. be on guard, pay attention, yeah. don't live in fear, yeah. don't be alarmed, yeah. especially because the end of times that you seem to be living in yeah. may not be the end times. Yeah. Um, like he says right off the bat, uh, don't be alarmed. All these things must happen, but the end, like, the end is still to come. Meaning all these things are going to happen, but this isn't the end. Yeah, yeah. It's going to seem like the end. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but all these things must happen, and God will cut them short. God will sustain you through. You've got to be alert. Yeah. Pay attention, and afterwards the Son of Man will come in the clouds with great power and glory, and he will gather his elect. Um, so pay attention, be alert, because that's going to happen after this. Yeah but after, not necessarily immediately after. In fact, no one knows yeah. when that time is going to come, not even uh, the angels or the son, but only the father. And it's interesting. I mean, we, again, we're looking ahead. You can see this in, in on the pages of the Bible. The disciples didn't know this, but Mark has put this as the last major teaching event before the crucifixion, hmm. that Jesus wants his disciples to stay, stay on guard, to stand firm, to believe his word. So he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass. That's in, in my head that when I read that, I went, oh, he's, 
he's taking what the disciples said or heard about the temple, right? And they're like, isn't this place amazing? Yeah. And Jesus is going, okay, let me explain to you. Heaven and earth will pass away. Like, You're let right. me take it way further than that. Mm. But my words will never fail. Like, I, what I'm telling you, what I'm explaining to you, what's going to happen, that'll never fall. Yeah. All of this will fall, but that will never fall. Mm. And so I think that, you know, he's getting them ready for a very traumatic event. Yeah. But he's doing, once again, it's not specifically about his death and resurrection. He's talking about when you experience these things. But the message still consistently is the same, which is when trauma comes, when your world is falling apart, when everything, even like, and I mean like physically, when the world is falling apart, yeah. uh, stand firm. Have faith. Trust me. How can you do that? Well, because I've told you ahead of time mm. so that you would know. So I'm telling you this so that when you get there, you don't go, what? Which honestly makes me so sad for the state our church has been, not locally, but mm -hmm. this church mm -hmm. has been. There has been so much put on we don't have to suffer Yeah, for so long that I go, this is exactly the opposite of what Jesus is teaching us here. Mm -hmm. And there's like, especially because there's the attitude of um, like being indignant yeah. that even that governments are heading away from Christian values and going, can you believe that they'd have the audacity to try and rule this country in a way other than the Christian way? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> They're not Christians. Exactly. And neither are most of the people in this country. Yeah. And uh, Jesus said this was going to happen. Yeah. Like, I think the most surprising thing about history in the West is that I think we should be most surprised that for the past century or so, we had governments that were yeah. trying to hold to somewhat Christian values. And it's just That's not... shocking. It is shocking. And it's not the reality of... Most of the world, no, through all of history, yeah, right. And I go, oh, we're delusional. We've fallen asleep. Yeah, we thought that that was wow. how. <laughs> no, that was we, good. That we, was that would hit me. We no, have. but I think, uh, yeah, I think somehow it was almost like if I was to write the screw tape letters for the last century on yeah. this topic, I would go, you know, the the, the enemy took his pressure off. Yeah. Let's say just North America for yeah. the last century. Yeah. And we thought that we found ourselves in a somewhat Christian environment yeah. or at least Christian friendly environment. Yeah. And over a century thought that that was the norm. Yeah. And, and we thought that a Christian friendly environment, we thought that was Christianity. Right. Which is just so not true. No. And then, and then we fell asleep. Yeah, because we just thought, well, that's just the way things are. That's the way they're supposed to be, and that's the way they always will be. Because Jordan's blowing my it. mind here, people. <laughs> that was a big one. That was really good. Uh, but now we're shocked that things are changing suddenly. Hmm. So even, but I, li I like what you were just saying about how this he's telling this to the disciples right before the Passion Week. Yeah. And says things like, um, 
I've told you all of this ahead of time. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Yeah. And their world is about to get shattered when he dies. Absolutely. And everything they thought was going to happen in Jerusalem happens the opposite. And yeah. on Holy Saturday, they're going to go, what just happened? It all fell apart. He, yeah. He's telling them beforehand, no, no, hang on to my words. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's there's a full circle, or this is coming full circle. And yeah. so hang on through the Holy Saturday to my words. Yeah, and I think this is a really important, what you're talking about right now is really important to remember when you're in the scriptures, is that it's not all uh, literal. It's mm-hmm. not all uh, allegory. It's not all metaphorical. And sometimes hmm. we go and we say, oh, this section is a metaphor or this section is literal. And I go, well, this is a perfect section for us to go. No, it's a little <laughs> bit of all of it. Yeah. And I know that's it's like you were explaining at the beginning, there is a genre employed here. So mm-hmm. it's a little different than other sections. But that throughout Christianity, part of what we've been able to do with the scriptures is realize that there is a literal understanding. We have to know why is he saying it like this? What's going on? There's context. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. But then there is the ability to go, and what does that mean for me? Yeah. And what am I supposed to see here? And so is Jesus literally talking about the crucifixion? No. Is he not talking about the crucifixion, though? (laughs) No. Of course he is. Of course he is. So I think we, hopefully, you've heard this and what Jordan and I have been, how we've been doing this, but you have to be willing to be in and out of um, metaphor of literal and allegorical and all of those different types of readings, it's not always easy to balance that. And that's part of the community aspect. And Jordan and I consistently talk about how we get so few things when we're talking about it or writing it out ourselves. And then we start talking and we keep going, oh, right. And that would mean this. And Mm -hmm. it's part of what we need for community. And Mm -hmm. As we're coming to the end of the Gospel of Mark, we're not there yet, but I'd love to see, so this is a dream of mine, everybody that's listening can hear it, I'd love to see small groups take this model that Jordan and I are giving you Mm -hmm. and do it in your local churches. Yeah. Just take the scriptures, group of you get together, read it together. You don't have to read it out loud even, just everybody reads it together, take some notes, and then have a conversation. Yeah. It has been, I've never done this. No. Uh, I've done like group studies, which have either been one person leading and saying, here's what I see and trying to teach through scripture um, with a bunch of people listening or um, group devotions where it's like we all read the same thing. And then we just say, this is what stood out to me. This is what meant something to me. But it it. We've never tried to figure things out together. Yeah. And I've never just done it with one person where we just start talking about it. Yeah. And I am shocked to see how much just comes out of this. Totally. Like stuff that I would never have seen. Yeah. And some of it is through being able to process out loud what we just read. Yeah. And you start you start making connections yourself. Yeah. Whereas so for myself I find that happens a little bit when I read my Bible on my own. I always journal after 
and it's in journaling and starting to just say, well, what did I just read? Yeah. Okay, so God was doing this. Jesus was saying this. And then things start coming together as I'm processing it. Yeah. Um, but I need a journal to, yeah. to externalize that. Whereas yeah. here when we're doing this on the podcast, it's Rob that I speak to and externalize yeah. it to. And then yeah. it's even better because then it bounces back. and He's got things. and then yeah. It's almost like, now this might be a big statement, mm-hmm. but it's almost like we're supposed to take in the word of God and then proclaim it. Oh. It's almost like we were built for that. You know, it is almost <laughs> like that. It's also almost like when we read uh, the gospel here, Rob. Yes, yeah. And then you say, are you ready? Should we hit record? And I go, I don't know. I'm worried beforehand about what we're going to say. <laughs> and uh, then we just say whatever is given to us at the time. And it turns out it's not always us speaking. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit. That's, it's almost like that. Wow. (laughs) It's like the Bible is true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? Wow. Okay. Anything else? I don't have anything else. No. Yeah. That's all I have. I'm, and again, I'm surprised that we had that much. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was, I went into it going, I don't know what we're going to talk about little bit nervous more than I was. That's very nervous. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. This is chapter 13 of the Gospel of Mark. We uh, are about to get into the passion of the Christ in chapter 14, which is really exciting. Um, anyways, that's all we got. And hopefully uh, you guys are connecting and you're in your Bibles and able to... Uh, If you can, start up some groups, send us some notes about uh, doing this with your friends. We'd love to hear about whether this has been uh, encouraging you into the community uh, and to taking in the word together. Uh, Thanks a lot. Thanks for all your uh, kind notes that you've sent to us along the way. And uh, we're excited to continue and finish up the Gospel of Mark in the next couple of weeks.